Hey guys, it's Alexa and you're listening to Just Hear Me Out podcast. Just Hear Me Out was a podcast that I created to hopefully give somebody that virtual big sister that I never received or that they have maybe never received. I will share stories and I will provide wisdom to those who not only deserve it but need it. And I will never fail to make you feel loved and remind you of how important you are to this world and everything that you deserve. I hear you, I see you, and you are not alone. I love you, and I'm always here. Hey guys, it's Alexa. Welcome back to another episode of Just Hear Me Out Podcast. Happy Thursday. I hope you guys are having a really positive, filled day, and you woke up with a smile today. Today I have a very special guest on the show, my dad. Dad, say hi. Hello, everyone. Thank you, Alexa, for inviting me to this episode. It's truly a privilege and an honor to be with you. So exciting. We have so much to uncover today, so we can't wait to take you along on this episode. So, hi, Dad. Hello, Alexa. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the episode. Welcome to the show. How does it feel? It feels great. First, it's it's, it's spectacular to be uh, present in your show, knowing that my daughter is the host. (laughs) <laughs> something that I know that you made from an idea to a reality. And I've seen the hard work, the nervousness, the uh, days when you said I'm not doing this, to the days that uh, I don't think it's going to be possible, to the days that it's my show, it's my idea. And uh, just hear me out. And, and now it's here, live and uh, at working. I always mention you in the show because, like, basically the name came from a conversation that we had not that long ago. Like before the show started? I remember sitting in the dining room table uh, near our kitchen and uh, Brian, uh, your mom and I and you were having dinner and we were having a conversation. I can't remember the exact topic, but you just said, just hear me out, guys. Just hear me out. (laughs) And then like two days later, I was like, wait, perfect. That's the name of my podcast. And I can't think of a better title to really um, reach the world and make a difference given so many people in the world that need that opportunity that safe space to share what they're thinking what they're feeling without judgment i think a lot of people are searching for that opportunity not to have judgment and our natural instinct is to judge and so i think this is a awesome opportunity for the world and for you i know thank you that that means a lot um so a little bit about my dad He's an educator, and he's a really, really smart dude. Love him to death. He's the wisest man I know, and he's literally, like, my family therapist. Like, I think out of between you, Mom, and Brian, like, you're my main therapist because, like, you understand me best, and you're, like, my family best friend because we, like, get each other. We got the same mindset. 100%. So let's talk a little bit deeper about your perspective on life and your mindset and what, like, how what keeps you going and what keeps you like having that thrill for life and why you do what you do well i think i would have to take you back to understand a little bit about myself and or who i am began um first of all i was born in miami i'm the son of two cubans my mom came to the united states at the age of two from cuba and my dad came at the age of 21 Um, They both immigrated to New Jersey and Union City, where it was the uh, past Miami. That's where all the Cubans went (laughs) when they were immigrating. So my parents were no different. They went there. Um, My grandfather uh, was a carpenter, was brought to the United States on a working permit. He um, became a carpenter in Union City, and um, that's how my mom came so early. 
Uh, my mom studied here. She uh, is a fluent English speaker. She graduated from high school, went on to um, beauty school where she graduated as a beautician. My dad, opposite to that, came at a later age. My dad had a very unique upbringing. He was yeah. a uh, orphan from my, my grandfather's side at the age of four. And due to the different um, obstacles that my grandmother was confronting at that moment, my dad actually grew up with his aunt and uncle and uh, really had to become a man at a very young age. Yeah. So when he had the opportunity to immigrate to the United States, he came to Union City and he started to work there and where he met my mom, got married. Uh, my mom had a lot of difficulty to have children. So I am the product of 10 years of patience and 12 miscarriages. Um, my mom had 12 miscarriages, which led to them moving to Miami. That's actually how they came to Miami because uh, my mom was told that uh, maybe she needed a climate change to mm -hmm. help her with her miscarriages. And <laughs> and uh, after a year of being here in Miami, uh, here I am. And so that's my uh, my birth to the, to the world. Um, I knew at a very young age what I wanted to be. Uh, when I was four years old in my pre-kindergarten class, my pre-kindergarten teacher's name was Miss Roach. I still remember her. No um, I attended First Baptist uh, Private School in, in Miami. And my teacher uh, made us do a project during career week and asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I was able to um, draw the picture of a desk and myself in the picture in a stick format because I'm horrible arts. And, uh, <laughs> and so... I um I put the word PL for principal. It was my way of inventive spelling to say the word principal, which was my dream since I was four. And um, the rest is story. Yeah. Wow. And you're not even a principal anymore. You own a business. I do. I uh, But I've always understood education is my destiny in my life, my passion, and the way that I contribute back to the world, what I've received along my life. So even though it is a business, I've stayed um, in the educational field. I started in the educational field as, at the age of 14. I was very blessed that in Miami-Dade County Public Schools, they selected 14 of us who had straight A's in middle school to go do Xerox copies. And I was one of the ones selected to do that. And I started at South Hialeah Elementary, right in the middle of Hialeah. I would go to school every day to about 2.30, then go to uh, work and do Xerox copies for teachers. So I understood what teachers needed from the bottom up. Wow. So much respect because you started working at such a young age. And I I started working when I was 15. Was I 15? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was 15. And, like, I couldn't do half the jobs that you did when you were that age. You know, it was um, a great experience. And at that moment, I didn't realize it. But um, working there and then being a principal secretary, graduating as a teacher at the age of 19, uh, becoming an assistant principal at the age of 25, and a principal at the age of 31... Uh, really um, made sense how all the puzzle pieces in someone's life comes together and how all of the experiences maybe in the moment don't make sense. But as uh, life unfolds, you understand that everything is a piece of your puzzle. And seizing those opportunities and, and embracing the challenges as well as the opportunities equal the readiness for that moment when it is your moment. And so I challenge the world and those that are listening to us today to understand that everything in life is planned. Everything in life has a purpose. And if you just surrender to the um, captain of your ship and the waves of the ocean you're riding, the destinations will make sense as you reach each port of call throughout your life. You guys see where I get my analogies from? This guy. Right here. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, 
captain to my ship. The other day I was talking about flowers and like Disney. This is where I get my analogies from. Uh, <laughs> what was the most pivotal part of your career? Like when me and Brian came into the world, what was the most pivotal part and what was the biggest change adapting to being no longer just a husband and a business owner or an employee to now being a father as well? Well, if I if I answer the first part of your question with regards to the most pivotal part of my career, I my dream was to be a principal, and it was the part of my career that took me the longest. Mm-hmm. Um, I interviewed twenty seven times for principalship. I finaled twenty six of the twenty seven and got none of the twenty six. And when I thought I was going to return to my seventh year as an assistant principal and not um, attain that dream that I was after, I got a surprise call unexpectedly and became the principal at Lakeview Elementary. And um, in that moment, I um, realized that everything has a purpose. Every one of those 26 times I would get a call and they would tell me, you're not the one that was selected, um, my heart would break. And when I was sitting in my desk at Lakeview Elementary as the principal, I realized that all those opportunities did not unfold or manifest because I was meant to be at Lakeview. And um, that was the most pivotal moment of my career. That school, that seat, those four years there changed my life forever. Um, That transformation made me the current transformation agent that I am across the nation. And the opportunity to help so many other principals who are changing schools and um, need that support and that that guidance. With the second part of your question around um, when you and Brian came into the world, how did my life change going from being just my wife and I to now being three, then four? Um, I'm not going to lie, when I first uh, became a father and Brian was born, it was a six-month struggle to understand I was no longer my wife's uh, first priority, but now became second to the most precious thing that a father and a mother can have, which is a child. Um, In those six months, it was hard to know that no longer could you just say, let's go to the movies and everything worked out. (laughs) You had to think about, all right, um, does the baby feel good? Who's going to stay with them? Who's babysitting? By the time you ended up getting dressed and going into the car, um, potentially you didn't even feel like going anymore, right? Because uh, when you're right at the door, then uh, the diaper change had to be done or uh, the baby started crying and you felt bad to leave him. And just your your life changes the moment you carry that firstborn. I think you, as a human being, know and think you love somebody or have loved or have felt loved until the moment you carry something that came from the inside of you and and that you were part of making. Yeah. And and that's what changed my life. Oh. That's sweet. Um let's see. You are a very emotional man. You are very like emotion driven, but you are also logic driven. I have a big male audience on the show and the majority is my friends, like my guy friends and I see that not a lot of them are okay with opening up to sharing emotions like love and like um, just emotions in general. What is the biggest piece of advice that you can give a teenage boy or a man listening about anything emotion-driven and just how that influences your life? I would say uh, be yourself. I am very uh, spiritual. I, I believe in the I am state. And for me, the I am state is just being yourself. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer for anybody. 
I don't think that someone should be more emotional or less emotional. I think you just have to do and feel what's right for you. Um, at a very young age, I learned that I was going to take the road less traveled in life, that I was not going to be the norm and sometimes I would be the outlier um, because I was very focused. I was very family oriented. I was very, um, um, you know, goal oriented. And I was always, always interested in, in serving those that were around me. Um, and that was not the norm at my young age. I um, got offered to do high school um, in two years when I was the age of 14. And um, I didn't have time to go out, didn't have time to socialize. My lunchtime was sitting in the window of the second floor of Miami Springs Senior, doing the homework for night school for the, the other grade level I was doing at the same time. And despite the criticisms and the uh, pushback and resistance that I would get from the, the judgments I would receive from those that were around me, I, I stayed true to what I felt and what I wanted to do. I think one of the most important things that any man um, can really seek to, to understand and embrace is that manly behaviors or man being a man is not about muscles. It's not about um, being angry. It's not about being uh, in control. It's about being centered. Um, I define the word manly as an, a, syn a synonym for centered, um, centeredness. You have to understand what is your north. What do you um, want to do? What do you believe in? How do you want to get there? Uh, what are you willing to change along the way? And what are you are so firm about that um, you're not going to change despite what anyone tells you or what you see? I think the difference that today... Uh, a lot of us as men are facing is that when I was growing up, we didn't have social medias to show us yeah. other people. Now our young men are challenged by the, um, the, the judgment of others that they're seeing through that social media, TikTok, Instagram versus what they want to do and feeling that because someone's on Instagram, they must be right. And therefore, I got to mirror who they are. And the moment you try to copy somebody or you try to be someone's equal or be like someone because you feel they're the ones that accept, are accepted, that's the moment you lose yourself. And once you lose yourself, it's going to take you a while to find yourself. I feel like a lot of boys nowadays, like especially people my age, they struggle with like they're always comparing themselves to guys on social media like you said and they also rely on seeing unrealistic expectations because like women on social media and like seeing girls that are on instagram and stuff the same thing applies for boys and i feel like with that they struggle a lot in finding the right friendships they struggle in finding the right relationships and I feel like that's why I feel like I don't belong in this generation because I've never been so social media driven, like unless it's like I apply it to my own life. But like I don't compare myself to those people on social media. Well, I think, you know, um, dealing with young men and women every day of my life and my career and always relating it back to when I was a young kid and I was a teenager and an adolescent, I I see the differences because you have the ongoing challenges of the life of others being a reality in yours. Mm -hmm. I didn't have that. The only life that was a reality was mine, my parents, and my sister. And um, that creates 
the um, the lack of being happy with who you are and and what you are and what you have. And I think that the the beginning of peace is being happy with who wakes up every day and looks in the mirror. Um, I I my dream was always to have a six pack, go to the beach, be able to take off my shirt and and uh, walk down the beach and. And everyone look at you. That's the norm, right? It's normal. Everyone goes through that. But I realized early on that everyone has different priorities. And my priority was to be focused on my school and to be focused on becoming everything that my dad always wanted me to become. And my mom always supported me to become. And everything that I felt in my heart, I wanted to become. I think we as... um, Young people are always worried about this emotion is not right for a woman. This emotion is not right for a man. This emotion uh, cannot be demonstrated in front of people because you're vulnerable. Well, I would ask the world, then why is the emotion there if it's not right? So if, if, if everyone has an emotion to cry, an emotion to be happy, an emotion to be angry, an emotion to be uh, disappointed, an emotion to be sad, um, that's because the emotion at some point is going to come out and it has to manifest. And I think we try so hard to be what society or what we think we should be that we forget to be who we were born to be. A lot of a lot of boys and girls lose themselves with their own beliefs and their own morals to what they see in their friends and what they see in them and how they react to whatever they say. And I feel like sometimes people will bend their morals and they will be somebody that they're not and they'll shut down their own emotions. Like, for example, I don't know, a guy has a crush on a girl, let's say, or a guy has a crush on somebody. They will tell their friends and their friends will be like, yeah, but that's so not like, like, you're going to leave us, our bromance, for some chick that you don't even know, like that type of situation. How was that for you when... Mm -hmm. Well, you didn't have like a big friend group or anything. I wasn't because when I was um, growing up, I was a straight A student in elementary. I was what you would call in today's language a nerd. Uh, <laughs> but a nerd was the same in that era as it is now, right? Only difference is I didn't wear glasses. I uh, didn't have, you know, um, uh, pants to my above my waist or anything like that. I, I was classified a nerd because the school was my first priority. I knew that everything in life has a season. And if you miss a season in life, you can't get that back. Mm-hmm. And so my season to to study and to prepare myself for a bright future was during that age time. And I always knew that I would have time for everything else. So while I was growing up, I focused on school. I um, had a lot of friends. I had my crushes just like everyone else. Um, and then I met your mom. I, I was blessed to, to meet your mom at a very young age. And knew early on, after just a couple of weeks of understanding who she was, that um, we could we could very easily be each other's support. And I don't I don't think that um, sometimes we are aiming for having a relationship for the right reasons. A lot of people in today's world, I see it in the youngsters that I deal with every day, as well as that I have in my own surroundings as a family that um, they're not looking at relationships as a support to one another. They're looking at the relationship aesthetically. What's the right picture? What's the right um, TikTok? TikTok? What's the right uh, scene? Um, are we dressed matched? Do we have the same clothes? Do we have the same color? 
And none of that matters. At the end of the day, you know you're a true relationship in that moment of d difficulty, in that moment of need in which you're there for each other. I believe that um, a relationship is successful when you become a better person each and every moment you're with that person and that person becomes a better person each and every moment they're with you. You should never aim to be just you about you or just about them. It should be each other working about each other. And um, I think that uh, key to a relationship is understanding that you're not the wise and neither is the other person, that together you're the wisest because each of you bring different experiences to the table. And 27 years later, after being married to your mom, I um, bless the moment that I met her. I thank God every day for that moment in time in which our paths crossed because um, I am everything that I am after that moment as a result of who she's been, um, how much she's believed in me, how much she supported me, uh, those words that she said in the right moment when I most needed it. And more importantly, because together we have worked really hard to pave our path to be not two, but one. No, yeah, you, I say it all the time, like, I wish that one day I have a man love me as much as you love my mom. I love your mom um, as, a, as a partner, as a friend, um, as the mother of my children, as um, my lover, as my wife. I, I love her in every aspect. I don't think there is an identity that she has in my life that I don't admire her for and love her for. But I think um, that in today's relationships, everyone's so worried about themselves that they forget to worry about the person you love. And that's when the relationships become cancerous and become less than healthy. So many relationships nowadays, like, for example, when they get into arguments, it's always them against each other. Or in a relationship, it's just me and me and I need time for myself and I need mm -hmm. this and it's all about me. I need to put myself first. Mm -hmm. And they're not always, it's never them against the issue or them being one. And I feel like a relationship in a relationship, you have two worlds that collide like in Tarzan, you know the song on Tarzan that goes two worlds, one family? That's exactly what I relate to every time I bring up a relationship because I've always seen a relationship to be one and never two because of the example that I have in my household. But also you, I look at it as two souls that enter one body. Yeah. Uh, but they're, they, don't, they don't stop being the soul they were. No. They're just now in one body. The other thing that every relationship is going to have difficult moments it's how you deal with the moments that makes a difference, right? It's not the problem, but the attitude with which you address the problem. And so I think as long as there's a great level of respect, there's a great level of admiration for each other, and there's a commitment that you're going to cross the battlefield and the minefield and not be, ex you know, not go into explosion, um, you'll end up always um, successful. I think also there's a right time for everything in life. And, you know, this new generation is a little impatient. And they are about the story. And sometimes the story could come back and haunt you if it's not the right story. Um, and so that that's what's really challenging people. And, and I also think that um, relationships have become very carnal in this generation. And they're forgetting you have to have heart first. And you have to fulfill your heart first before you fulfill your carnal desires. And as a result of people going the opposite, they um, make so many mistakes because there's not love that serves as the trunk of the tree and the foundation to their relationship that they never can fix it from there.
Yeah, 100%. Um, I'm one of those people that is like, I'm all about the story, but I'm also about the love because love is an emotion that's just so beautiful. And I feel like once you truly get to experience it, like how I see with you and mom, like it's just amazing. Um, but I feel like your story is proof that it's not about the story because your story started off with what? Just asking for a piece of gum? Well, it was interesting because <laughs> I, I met your mom and, and um, I had had the... Talk about destiny. Yeah, I know. I, I knew, it's so I knew everyone in your mom's family and I did not know your mom. I would visit her cousin's house, never met your mom. And then one day um, we went to um, take our SAT um i did not know her at all and she was coming with one of my best friends which was her cousin and so her cousin introduced her to me and i asked her for a piece of gum then um i didn't see her again until we went to fiu and the the rest is history right um i think that something that that's really important is that um we gave each other time to understand we were meant for each other i dated your mom for a year even before I asked her to be my girlfriend. I was very traditional. So I believed in asking my father-in-law permission to visit the house, asking my father-in-law permission to date her. And the night we became boyfriend and girlfriend, um, first people that knew that um, we had become boyfriend and girlfriend and that she had said yes after a year of of maybe multiple I don't knows or is this the right thing or not, um, was my father-in-law my mother-in-law. Because there's there's... A, a protocol to making sure that you respect your um, the person you select to be your partner, just like you would want someone to respect your daughter or your son in the future. And I've always operated my life with the law of karma. I am very um, high on what you give to the world is going to be the boomerang that the world is going to give you. If you're walking down the hallways of your school, of your work, of your life, uh, upset and always angry, not having any type of happiness or joy that's what the world's going to give you positive energy attracts positivity and negative energy multiplies negativity and so um that's been the norm by which i've operated my life yeah and one thing about mom is that she's a diva our mom's a diva she's always like like i can imagine her being like i don't know i don't know if i want to be with you like <laughs> actually that, that wasn't the case um your mom and i were best friends we used to tell each other everything talk about everything and I think one of the greatest fears we both had was that after we had found a friend, one that neither of us had prior to, um, that it would be destroyed by a uh, bad decision to go into a relationship and then it not be the right decision. And it was just that moment that we understood that it was the right decision that we decided to move forward. That's my biggest fear. Like, my biggest fear is having a best friend that's a guy and I fall for him and I ruin the relationship by letting feelings get in the way. I think you have to first be have a strong friendship. Um, as long as you have a strong friendship and are vulnerable and transparent with each other, um, I think that then you're able to know if it's the right move. Um, I think what happens is that there's a lot of hypocrisy in the world today and people are not transparent, truthful, um, and they're very fake. And so understanding if it's really a true friend is, is like being an FBI agent. You have to be a detective to really understand if they are your friend. When in reality, a friendship is um, very sincere and very truthful and very heartfelt, 
non-judgmental and always supportive. Yeah. I don't know. I had very few friends when I was growing up, but the ones that I did were true. And I prefer one true than 20 fake. Quality over quantity. That's right. That was one of your episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's... that'll. I think that'll always be my biggest fear. That's definitely... It's definitely already happened before in my life. I think once or twice. But, like... I don't know. You know, when it's meant to be, it'll be. I believe in your story. I think um, destiny will play its uh, role in your life each and every day. I think you, you in particular... Are a very special girl and there is a special guy that was born out there already that's meant for you and whoever that is will be one lucky guy i'm that's crazy <laughs> the fact that you said that hold on i just had a reality check uh that's that's so true the fact that there's somebody on the earth walking right now that's my soulmate i didn't i like i didn't click on my brain 100 <laughs> percent. the yeah. universal plan never goes wrong yeah. and it's when you trust the universal plan that you'll have peace I think too often people at your age and even people at my age want to be the um, captains of their ship or the chauffeurs of their car and don't understand that the passenger seat is all we got. Because the moment you try to replace the captain of your ship or the chauffeur of your car, then you start to um, design a life that you're unaware of. And only the universe can be your ship's captain. Again with the analogies, man. Mm. Again with the analogies. Uh, Destiny will never go wrong. Yeah. And I think that um, you just have to um, let it unfold and play. And even when you have a, a bad moment, bad moments are part of destiny. And they're meant to make us stronger, to give us the opportunity to master those life lessons that we came to Earth to really understand. I believe Earth is a school. Uh, for all of us to learn different lessons we all got different lessons therefore not one life is going to be the same and not one life is going to have the same struggles and not one life is going to have the same blessings because even blessings are opportunities for lessons and so i think that um we just got to be patient and let it unfold i think the greatest gift life can give you is surrender and peace well with surrender comes peace yeah Mm -hmm. yeah um you're big on manifestation and you're big on like trusting the universe and leaving everything to destiny. Is there any advice that you can give about manifestation? Because I was having this conversation the other day with some of my friends in my English class that, um, like, do you believe in manifestation? They were like, Alexa, oh, like, do you, what do you think about manifestation to you? Like, what does it mean to you? And I'm always saying that I don't know if I trust manifestation because it's very, it can go one of both ways because you've always told me that like you can manifest the wrong things that aren't meant for you and you could also manifest things that are meant for you but in the wrong time and then mess up. I think uh, one of the first things or one of the first lessons you have to learn to understand manifestation is that the universe is never going to give you something that's not right for you. Um, manifestation doesn't guarantee something's going to appear in your life. But manifestation sends the message to the universe that this is something I want. For example, when I wanted to open my business, I started by drawing the logo on a piece of paper. Um, I didn't know anything about opening a business, didn't know anything about uh, what it would be like. I didn't even think where my business would go. And in a, mo- in a very difficult time of my career, that logo that I drew became the start of a manifestation of my business. And 14 years later, here I am, right? The CEO of one of the... 
um, renowned educational service providers. I manage charter schools. I train principals across the nation. I transform schools across the nation. I, I've stood before 500, 1,000, 2,000 people um, sharing the knowledge and the way of changing low performance to high performance, struggling schools to high performing schools. And so it, it's, it's all about um, being committed, but manifestation has a double-edged sword. You have to go into manifestation understanding that you're going to win some and you're going to lose some. And if you don't have that balance and you're not able to understand that when something doesn't manifest, it wasn't meant to be, then you can't go into the law of manifestation. Yeah. I feel like I've manifested a lot of things in my life, but for the wrong reasons. I've definitely done that before. The one thing I will say that I've manifested like well was this this podcast 100 percent. you remember me sitting last year was it it was like mm -hmm. new year's day or something mm -hmm. right before school started again on winter break and i remember we were in design district and we were at that uh mediterranean restaurant astra and we were talking with our tour my dad's um co-ceo mm -hmm. and um with my mom and we were all saying like oh what are new year's resolutions and i was like well i want to start a podcast this year but it never ended up happening and i feel like if i would have done it if i would have manifested that and i would have wanted it in the moment i feel like i wouldn't have done it for the right reasons and now a year later i started it the same day that i wanted to start it last year but now i'm more mature i'm more put together i'm more experienced because i didn't think that half the things that i would have experienced before 2022 to now 2023 it's definitely made me like have more of a story to tell on this podcast i think you know i life is like the i don't know if um you know the movie star trek yeah so star trek you know how those doors open and there are portals that they have to transport themselves through. Yeah. I think life is all about that. The door to every opportunity, every desire, every um, goal opens in the right moment. Not a minute too early, not a minute too late. But then it's up to you to walk through the door, right? And I think that um, you had the um, aspiration to do this and you, you researched it, you worked it, you um, thought about it, you internally reflected on it. You understood the battles you may confront by doing this because being a change agent, and this is a form of being a change agent, is the road less traveled. And it being is, a teenager. it is, And in this world today with all the judgment that exists and um, people like to uh, feel powerful by judging others, um, I think that this is something that you would not have been ready for a year ago. I think the, the surrender to being you and forgetting the world was a precursor to you being able to do this. And that's something that, you know, in this opportunity that I have to speak to so many through your, your, your show and your episode, um, I, would, I would challenge those that are listening to understand there'll be a right moment for everything and not to suffer or cry because something hasn't manifested when you think it's the right moment and trust that the universe will give it to you when it is right for you. Like just because it's not happening in a month, a day, a year, doesn't mean it's not manifesting it's just not manifesting to your timeline per se because that's the first mistake the first mistake we have as human beings is having a timeline 
because timelines are the ingredient to dissatisfaction. Mm -hmm. What we should have is ideas. What we should have is um, actions that we're going to take to make the ideas a reality. And we should then um, leave it up to the universe to make it happen. Yeah, that's. I feel like I've made the biggest mistake. And you tell me this all the time. You're like, don't have a timeline. Because I'm always like, I told this to Sophie on so when I had Sophie on the show, that I'm a go with the flow type of girl, but I need to know when the flow starts and the flow ends because that's control. Then it's not really control, but it's just like I like to know when things are gonna happen for me. But that also leaves out the sense of surprise that life has and like the sense of like weight that the universe makes you do, like that sense of impatientness mm-hmm. that I get. But that, I feel like that's just because like I get really anxious with some things. And I, like, associate so many things with, like, oh, maybe it's just not meant for me because it hasn't happened according to my But even by you saying something's not meant for you is you manifesting something maybe not happening. Yeah. So remember that our words have power. As human beings, we've only understood a portion of the power our brain has and our thoughts have. And um, by us saying things like that in a negative format... Um, could actually manifest it not occurring. Or you even believing that it's not going to occur and therefore not be motivated to take the actions to make it happen. Um, so I would, I would encourage our listeners to always do things in, in from a positive intention. I wish I could have you on the show like every week. Because <laughs> like this is the most motivational episode. I feel like when I'm filming by myself, I get very scared. Like, I get very nervous, and I always feel like I'm saying the wrong thing. But when I have somebody else on the show, it's, like, way more comfortable. But, like, this is the most motivational that I've ever gotten and that we've ever gotten in a conversation. So, like... Uh, Well, you know, I I think that um, one of the things that we're always fearful of is failure. Big time. And a life is is only complete when it has the balance of failure and success. Um, I've had plenty of opportunities in my life where failure has been the feeling. And I've had plenty of opportunities in my life where victory and success has been the feeling. Both have made me who I am today. Both have made me stronger. And um, through each failure, I've become more successful. Through each success, I've been confronted with more failure. So I think um, we should never um, allow ourselves to dwell in the sense of failure, but get up as quickly as you fall to make sure that um, you're able to run to the next port of call or the next destination, have the next plan, have the next step. Um, I call it plan A, plan B. And when plan A and plan B don't work, try C. There's always there's always C, there's always D, there's always F. Until you're breathing, until, there's always a letter. Until you reach that goal, like have all those plans. 100%. But, um, yeah, I feel like, I don't know. How do you manage yourself so well, like, when you're stressed? Because I, I see you every day, like, you work from home and stuff, and I see you every day, like, so hard at your work, and you go through a lot on a day-to-day basis, especially now. Um, how do you manage your emotions, your work, your stress, all in 24 hours? Well, first, um, there's not a day that I don't wake up. And when I put my two feet on the floor, even before I get up from my bed, um, uh, the first thing that I do is lift my my thoughts to the up above and say thank you for another day. I think um, being thankful for having another day on earth is uh, step one for making that day count. 
The second thing is I, I love what I do. I encourage all of the listeners to find that that you love. A job should never be something that you dread. A job should never be something that is just a job. I think that a job needs to be a calling. And I look at what I do each and every day as a calling. I am a leader and, and I have the opportunity to impact many lives through my work. Um, and as a leader, I take that very serious. I try to make sure that in each engagement that I have with my staff, with my clients, that I become a better person as a result of that engagement and that I empower them to become a better person. I don't always succeed because, again, no one's perfect. Failure is going to be part of every uh, equation. It's inevitable. Um, but I think one of the, the things that helped me the most is, again, being centered, being who I am and not trying to be someone else. Because that's the most stressful thing in the world, to have to live a life that's not yours, to be in your body but not be you. That, that has to be, I think, um, the part that destabilizes people. And then they can't deal with the challenges. And I, you know, I, I'm a fond uh, person of the quote from Captain Jack Sparrow that says, um, it's not the problem, but the attitude with which you deal with the problem. And in every challenge that I have throughout my day, which are many, I, I look at what is, what is the universe trying to help me understand in this moment? What am I supposed to learn? What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to make this moment better for the person in the moment with me? And how am I supposed to make it better for myself? Um, I, learned, I learned very early on in my life how to not allow people's chaos to become mine. And for me not to allow for the chaotic experiences throughout the day to interfere with the gratitude that I had for life and for all the blessings that God had allowed me to have. And I think gratitude is an ingredient to peace. Um, I'm grateful for just breathing. Uh, and especially uh, most recently losing my dad. Um, I, I, even that, which I was uh, and has been a very difficult moment for me, I've looked at it from what is, what is life trying to tell me? And even in three weeks or four weeks, that'll be Sunday and my dad is gone, I, I've learned to apply the new me as a result of that moment. Um, yeah. I'm, pres- I'm taking life even more precious than it was before. I've understood that we're all a, a, a sum of choices and I'm trying to make a better choice each and every day. And happiness is a choice. Happiness is not a state. It is a choice. You have to make wake up every day saying, I want to be happy. I'm going to look at, even though I'm working in front of my computer and I have five deadlines, I'm going to be happy that I do have deadlines because that means I have work and I have prosperity for my family. If I have no deadlines, I have no work, I have no money. So it's all about how you look at things. just means you're alive. Of course. Yeah. No, I feel like, yeah, with how you said, like, the passing of Abuelo, that was... Like, that made me not choose happiness for a really long time. I feel like I dwelled in my own depression for a really, really long time. I probably still do. Like, each and every day I'll include it to one day, to, like, part of my day. But, like, it's very hard for me to manage my emotions. I guess it's because I'm a girl. Like, you... I don't know. I don't know how else to say it. Because, like, you guys have control. Do I, don't, I don't think that has to do with a gender. I think it has to do with uh, a mindset. Yeah, that's so true. I think that, um, you know, when you lose someone you love, um, your world crumbles. Mm-hmm. Um, you lose yourself for a moment. You try to understand the why. 
Um, you try to um, realize that the end came. But really, it's when you realize that you have a new beginning um, that you start changing your, your um, engagement with the new reality. I lost my dad. I used to have to call him. I, I used to have the opportunity to call him on the phone and chat with him, uh, talk to him. He would come to my house and I would do coffee for him. I would go to my dad's house and hug him while he was sitting on the sofa and we would talk about everything. I would invite him to breakfast. Now I, I, I have to become um, one with my new reality. My new reality is I can pick up the phone and call him, but I can definitely lift my thoughts to him and, and say to him, Dad, I don't know where you are right now, but um, you know, Alexa's going to a dance competition. You'd be so proud of your son. He just did, got into a Forex uh, Academy. And I tried to, I've been trying for the last month to just shift the way that I engage with my dad, understanding that now he's in a different hemisphere than I am. And even though physically I don't see him with my eyes, I feel him with my heart. And though I still feel the pain, because that pain is one that only you can feel in that moment when you go through that, mm -hmm. um, it helps me in that moment of pain to understand that um, it's not an end, but a new beginning. Yeah. I said that in the grief episode that I had towards him, that um, really when you lose somebody that close, it's like a rebirth. It's like you woke up the next morning and you were a whole new person. But for the worst reason. And I feel like since then, it was like, like I, I feel like you felt it too. Like a part of you died with him, right? Um, I feel like with that, you your mindset changes in so many ways. You're li like the second, it sucks because it takes one person to lose their life for you to reevaluate your whole life. Mm -hmm. And for you to realize that, you're gone one day and you're here you're you're here one day and you're gone the next and life isn't promised and life is so short that like if you dwell on the little things it really it really takes a toll on your life and how you look at things and i just i realize that there's 24 hours in a day and i always try and do my best to live my days as if it were my last even if I can't always do that with my busy schedule, I always try to make sure, like, I have a good day at school, I have a good day with my friends, I have a really meaningful conversation with my family. Because since then, I've appreciated every single second that passes. And you have always told me that it's not... I, said, I was texting this to one of my friends the other day, um, that you taught me that it's not about money, it's not about career, it's not about what you said on this day at this specific time, it's about the memories, the love, and the experiences that you take with you when you're not here anymore. And, well, not only do you take with you, but that you leave behind. For example, um, my dad's been gone now for three and a half weeks. Almost a month. And I, not once, I'm thinking about whether he is, um, what, well, I'm not thinking about the car that he had. I'm not thinking about the clothes that he wore. I am thinking about the beautiful memories that we had. I'm thinking about the um, things that we did together. I'm thinking about what he represented, who he was. And so um, no one's going to remember the $10 you gave them or the shirt you wore or the car you drove or the house you had. But everyone's going to remember the last word you said, how you made them feel. Um, and, and so that's really important for 
all of us um, to think about. And you just got to flow. You can't let, um, you know, things um, tremble like that. But you got to be able to um, live every moment to make a moment. We have a little guest now. <laughs> yeah. Nala joined the podcast. Yeah, she opened the door and came in. Yeah, she opened the door. Guys, Nala's always walking into the podcast mid-film, but it's like the best. She knows exactly when we need her. She's the best. Best little dog. She really is. But yeah, I 100% agree with that. And I feel like I'll always live by that. Like, that's my life motto, aside from, you know. You know, things. something that, that um, I just remember that is, is important is, I always have a model that says, if a moment dies in the moment, it wasn't worth living it. Mm -mm. But if the moment outlives the moment, it was worth every second you lived it. And how many things in life do we do that just died in that moment? So it's okay. You, you bought a, a, a coach jacket and you wore it. Well, that died in the moment. What did it do for yeah. you? But how, how good it feels when you helped someone cross the street and you changed their life or you made them smile or, or you um, gave them a hug and, and they felt comfort and support or um, you took that extra step to uh, call someone and wish them a happy birthday instead of texting. I think society's in trouble, Alexa, I and, and the world now because, um, you know, as, as I've been now on earth for 49 years and... I lived the wonderful moments in which people would actually call you and say, happy birthday. And people would call you and tell you, hey, I'm here for you. Or uh, how are you doing? How's it going now? They send you an emoji. And um, you get 10,000 texts, which mean nothing because all they did was copy, paste it, or press the names that come up or the words that come up on your Apple auto type. And um, they didn't feel it as they were saying it. And you're not feeling it as you're receiving it. And so I think that just... Um, you have to remember that just like a car needs gas to function, a soul needs actual love and energy transference to survive and live. Yeah. You have Facebook. I have Snapchat. Snapchat, it tells you when it's somebody's birthday, and all of a sudden you have 5 million text messages flooding up your phone, and all you hear is that annoying ringtone. And I'd so much rather hear a phone call, because I remember as a kid, like, I didn't have a phone yet, and you guys would be like, um... Your grandma's calling you or like, oh, your aunt's calling you. Oh, look, your cousin's on the phone mm -hmm. like through her mom. And I miss that so much. Like I, mm -hmm. I remember this year on my birthday, well, last year, um, on my 16th birthday. It was my golden birthday. I was like, wow, it's my 16th birthday. Mm -hmm. I got like two phone calls that day. Mm -hmm. And I was so depressed, not because of anything, but because people don't reach out anymore. And mm -hmm. that's not even, it's not even on your birthday. It's like they don't reach out, period. Even they text you. Uh, good morning and an emoji they they just don't um and i think that that's why people feel such loneliness that's why we have so much um suicide attempts in the world that's why we have so much people that uh so many people that don't feel wanted or loved and um just feel empty i my love language is words of affirmation and i always like my biggest goal when i have a friend or i have like a family member I will always try and check up on them, and I do it every now and then just to make sure, hey, like, mental health checkup, like, how are you doing today? Or, like, oh, like, how was this? Or how are you feeling? Because, you know, this happened. But, you know, if I can tell you an advice, because I learned it at the age of 30. It took me 30 years of my life to learn. Um, I used to think that everyone was uh, going to do the same thing with me. And when they didn't, and people would not operate the same way that I operated in life, 
I would feel sadness. I would feel disappointment. And then I, I for whatever reason, at the age of 30, realized, um, you know, just expect from people what they are going to give you, and then you'll never feel disappointed. I know um, in your life, throughout the journey, you're going to find people that um, don't call you or don't visit you or don't uh, take that time to be there for you. or um, And you say, wow, I've been there for them. I've done that. And I'm a perfect example of that. And even now, I'm as most recent as my dad's death, um, I thought I had learned who everyone I was and how everyone, um, you know, operated and, and, and acted until um, three weeks ago when I learned even more who people really are, what they stand for. Because to me, words mean nothing. Mm-hmm. To me, gifts mean nothing. To me, it's the little things that really matter. Yeah. And uh, to me, a call goes a long way, a, a visit to say, I got you, I know you, I hear you, I see you. Uh, means more than um, taking me out to dinner or or um, saying all these wonderful things verbally and not your really actions and not really meaning it correct. Yeah, I heavily agree. I so agree with that. I feel like that really applied to my life the second this all began because I knew who my real people were, like you said. And for you, it wasn't just friends it was also family but for me it was more outside audience i got messages from people that i haven't spoken to in years and i'm like where have you been this whole time Mm -hmm. but here's my thing i always i'm a provider i give so many things to so many people but i am humble enough to never expect anything in return but it still hurts it still sucks (laughs) you don't expect it but it still hurts (laughs) Trust me, uh, you know, it's, it's, it, you don't, you don't, you should never expect others to do for you what you do for them. You should just do it because it's you. But, um, because it's your heart. But it still hurts when you, you're there for everybody. And then when you are most in need, um, people's agendas don't include you. Yeah. Yeah. I was a mess mm-hmm. when Abuelo passed. And I, I got a lot of friends that they were just, they would, they would try and help me, and I had a lot of friends that I realized, like, I was like, wow, they're not really my friend. They didn't even give a crap. Because when you have a party, everyone joins you. Exactly. Uh, but you know who your true friends are when you are in need, don't have a party, and they really join you. And, um, yeah. and to be honest, um, you think you know everybody until you're in a moment of need, and then and throughout life, you always are going to learn different things as you go through the journey, and Every day, um, the awakening happens when awareness happens. Awareness gives you awakening. I say that you you remember when we watched Avatar, and um, I said this on the. I love that movie. I know, <laughs> it's my favorite movie. But um, you remember when Jake Sully said, "This family is our fortress." Absolutely. I always said I said this on episode seven. Seven, episode seven. Um, that your fortress is your temple. Like, our home is our temple. Um, I say that I can count my fortress on ten fingers. And for me, that's always been enough because three of them belong to you guys, you three, and the little furry ball right there. Um, and that's okay because, like, yeah, it's a small fortress, but it has a big impact on me. And that's all I'll ever need. And I don't expect anything from them, but they 
still, like you guys, you still give me everything I need without me asking for it. I'll still be there for everybody. That's just who I am. That's what I believe in. That's what I feel. Um, and I always do what I feel. But um, I also, uh, every day, um, take into account who people have, have, have demonstrated to be. And um, I just, I, I feel the pain. Once the pain heals, I just move on. Yeah. Well, we've come to a close. Thank you so much, Alexa, for inviting me to your episode. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. If you had, like you close off your Zoom meetings, if you had a couple of words to describe this episode, what would you say? Be you. Stay the course. Um, don't let obstacles stop you and make sure that you're standing before that minefield uh, in which has, um, you know, mines, uh, bombs and different things in the field. And don't be afraid to just go across and walk through. Uh, let your heart guide your every step and you will get to the other side without a bomb exploding. A lot of people say, what would Jesus do? But like, I feel like from now on, I'm going to say, what would Jeffrey do? No, <laughs> Jesus is definitely who we have to believe in. But this is not a place to talk about. Religion. Obviously not. But I would say that um, you need to believe what your heart tells you. Your heart already knows what your mind still has not uncovered or, dis or discovered. And as long as you follow your heart, your mind will always guide you. Well, I guess that wraps up the episode. You guys know that I love you guys with all my heart and I never fail to remind you since I'm lucky enough to have my dad with me every single day and I get to have these meaningful conversations, I hope that this episode makes you feel like you can have my dad with you every single day motivating you. But this definitely wraps up the episode. You guys are my favorite people on the planet. Never fail to remind you I love all 400 of you. And stay tuned for the season finale tomorrow, March 31st. I love you guys, and as always, besitos.